Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very, very special episode of whatever the show, the Promise Show, the Promise Channel, whatever. Um, we're doing this is our big Batman show. We, we sort of warmed up, Chris and I warmed up on the Sinful Celluloid podcast discussing the previous Batman movies. And the, the goal tonight was to get uh, sort of like a roundtable panel of various different figures that come on this channel from time to time to uh, weigh in on the new Batman movie. Um, I'm very interested to hear. I don't know what anybody else, there's only one person who I know what they how they feel about the movie. Everybody else, I don't know what their opinions are. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of discovery on on this sort of, uh, in, in this sort of podcast. Just to go around real quick, we have The Bob Rose. Uh, he is uh, also a podcast filmmaking extraordinaire, uh, thundergrunt.com. We have Nate Dog. Uh, who is probably one of the most passionate consumers of media that I know. He has really, really good. <laughs> he has really good takes, uh, sometimes hot takes on the stuff that he loves. And uh, sometimes he could be uh, a little grumpy or uncompromising. Like when we got out of the last Jedi and he decided that he would never watch another star Wars thing ever again. Um, my word. <laughs> True to his word. Wow. Then, then at the bottom, the bottom we have, uh, uh, we have Nathan Ludwig, who is the um, mastermind leader, spiritual leader of the Genre Blast Film Festival. He is a filmmaker. He is a writer. He's got novellas coming out. He's producing a movie, Worst Laid Plans, which is an anthology uh, uh, based on uh, the book, the anthology book. Uh, we'll put all the links for everybody's stuff at a later time after after the show uh, wraps. And uh, lastly, but not leastly, we have uh, my friend uh, Christopher M. Jimenez, filmmaker, the uh, mastermind behind Sinful Celluloid, uh, the website. You go to SinfulCelluloid.com. We also do the Sinful Celluloid podcast on this channel as well. Um, uh, Chris is... Just, I mean, this dude li eats, lives, breathes cinema, knows his stuff inside and out. If you uh, look, look on his, follow him on Instagram. If you want to see what his morning movie watches, if you want recommendations, but he, he can go, he can go deep with his deep cuts. Uh, and, and last but not least, we have me. We all know who I am. I don't need to introduce myself. And together we are here to discuss the Batman. 
I don't know if you heard me breathe really heavy, but <laughs> on purpose for dramatic effect. Um, this is going to be a little difficult, people, because there's a lot of us. We're going to try our best to navigate this conversation. So here's what I want to do. Let's go back around and everybody in a couple of minutes, try to have some brevity here. Give us an over. And the other thing, too, one thing I want to say, while we should be talking while the other movies can come into context, like Nolan's movies or the Warner Brothers movies, the primary focus here is the Batman. We are here to talk about the Batman. We can compare and contrast, but we're, it's not. Uh, and I'm the worst offender here of, of doing that. I'll veer off in two seconds. I'm going to be uh, very strict on myself and everybody else about that. So we're going to go around in a couple minutes. Uh, did you love it or did you hate it? Very quick, very quick. Let's go around starting with Bob and we'll move clockwise. Why is it got to start with me? All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I love Matt Reeves and I have no, I, lo I actually love our Pats as an actor. Uh, I rolled my eyes at this movie even existing. Uh, like, <laughs> no, no, like when the first trailers came out, I was like, didn't oh, we just oh, do oh. this? That was my whole like kind of vibe on this movie. Like, I, but Matt Reeves did actually make my favorite movie of last decade, so I can't, you know, I can't like totally hate on it. It totally won me over. I thought it was excellent. Um, I do, I, I love it. I have slight criticisms of it, but overall, I really love it. But I want to say, in no way is it my favorite anything of Batman. I can say I loved it and it was excellent, but it is not remotely. <coughs> I actually have a list real quick. I, have, I made a list for my other show, and I decided I, was, I would read it here. Uh, it's just it's just a few points. It's my actually my ninth favorite Batman movie. Wow. My fifth favorite Batman, my third favorite Batman suit, my fourth favorite Batmobile, my fourth favorite Alfred, my third favorite Riddler, my third favorite Penguin, and my fourth favorite Catwoman. I can, but see, I'm not, I'm not like Twitter. I can say all that, and I can still say I loved it, and I can't wait to actually see it again. So... Just because it's not my favorite doesn't mean I didn't love it. Respect, Bob. Yeah. Respect, Bob. Uh, Nate Dog, go for it. Okay. Um, I am going to try and just say the things that stuck out the most for me. Um, I did like... Um... Well, wait, wait, wait. Nate Dog, just give us an overview before before yeah. you get into it. Just give us a... Uh, just did you like right. it? Did you hate it? I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this very, very much. Um, I actually, my hot take is um, best actor for Robert Pattinson, best supporting actor for Paul Dano, and I will wow. die on that hill. I was really impressed by their portrayals. They did stuff with uh, their respective characters that I had never really seen, um, and. I have a very difficult time of ranking stuff, but I do think that Paul Dano's Riddler is my favorite incarnation of the Riddler. Because um, instead of just, you know, trying to dangle some annoying riddles over Batman to try and prove his mental superiority, this guy moved with, like, a real purpose. And that, like, almost more than, like, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, he was just, he knew what he wanted to do, and he was constantly moving towards it like a battering ram. Those are things I absolutely, those, those, I'm fine with that. Let's go to the next guy. Awesome. That great, great, um, great takes there, Nate. Go ahead. And uh, Nathan, let's hear it. Um, well, my initial thought when it was over was that if they release an extended cut of this movie, I am going to pray for a meteor to take out our society. <laughs> 
This is how do you get more extended than this? I love the movie. Don't get me wrong, but Jesus Christ, three hours. There's a couple scenes that could have been cut out. There's a couple scenes that don't work, but overall, a fantastic movie. Really well done. But, but like I said, hopefully there's no more. You don't want no the more, Peter Jackson Blu-ray, right? You no, no more scenes. We don't. We don't need them. Um, but yeah. Very, very entertaining, engrossing, very Fincher-esque. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, Mr. Christopher. Um, I, I have been wanting to hate this movie for the past year and a half or so. I pretty much hated like 90% of the casting. And when I hate stuff, if you don't know, like I fucking hate it with a passion. <laughs> like I want to kick people in the throat and watch them die. I... Just no. I went and much to my chagrin, I really liked it. I really, really liked this movie. Is it my favorite? No, no, I'm I'm a Nolan guy, but I like I'm I'm there for the sequel. I want three of them or more. Um like Nate, I don't know if I need a four hour cut. I don't know if I need the four hour cut. Um but um, I'm all in. I'm all in, despite many things. Wow. I have to tell you, I was, when I heard Chris say that, because I was expecting Chris to absolutely hate this movie. When he, when I heard him say that, it really made me, I was like, I got to see what's, what, like, what's up with this movie. Because it was like, this kind of blew me away. All right. I'm going to state my take and then I will then volley, I will. I will catapult us into discussion of various things and we'll just, we'll see what happens. We'll see where the dice falls. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. My, my, I, I briefly said one thing. That's the only thing I've said about this movie. I said it on Twitter. Some of you may have seen it. Uh, my, my comment. And it's this, it's that I think that when it comes to Batman, you have to look at Batman as the equivalent of Shakespeare and it, and it, maybe you're thinking that's quite a statement to make, but in the way that Shakespeare uh, is open to interpretation, you can adapt Shakespeare for any sort of time and place and situation. I feel that Batman is the same. Batman is this malleable, adaptable thing. And while this was not, what what I've what's always been my problem, and I'm a huge Batman guy, huge, and Nate knows this, Nate Dog knows this, and Bob knows this to an extent. I am a huge, huge, huge Batman guy. And when I would go see Batman movies, I'd always be like, Yeah, I enjoy them, but it's never the perfect Batman. It was always there was always something to criticize because they never quite got it right. And this is the first time I've been to a Batman movie, and I watched it and I just go. I can enjoy this for the the iteration that it is and the interpretation of what they are trying to do. Like, this does not need to be the definitive Batman movie. This is a Batman movie, and it's a great Batman movie at that. I do agree with what Nathan was saying. It is a little long. At the same time, um, I love that for the most part, I think every single thing, you know, is like wrapped up in some way, shape or form to satisfaction for me to an extent i had certain okay so i had a few problems with like character motivations and like little things little things it did not take away from my absolute enjoyment of this film it, it just it, i just 
really, really enjoyed um, the, the the character. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to launch us into the performances or or the the actual character of Batman, and we'll just open it up. Robert Pattinson. I uh, Nate Nathan. I have to agree. Nate Dog. I have to I have to differentiate. Nate Dog. I have to agree, man. Um, Robert Pattinson. I, I don't know. I don't know. If maybe for best. I don't know if Oscar worthy, but it's like. His performance of Batman, I mean, it was just so, it was so well-crafted to me. And here's why it was well-crafted. It's well-crafted because I think that while there are many sort of things that encompass who Batman is, Robert Pattinson got to the core of Batman and his psychosis in a way that I don't think has been done yet with any live-action adaptation is the Bruce, it, does that mean it's perfect? No. And it, I, I have problems a little bit with the Bruce Wayne side of things, but I was very, very happy. Okay, that's it. <coughs> Go ahead. Let's so, open it up. Yeah, to kind of expand on your point, um, I've always looked at, um, I guess to compare him, I feel like Batman's polar opposite as far as superheroes would be, would be like Spider-Man, where he's Peter Parker all the time and Spider-Man is the costume. But with Batman, I always saw it as the opposite. It's like he's Batman all of the time and Bruce Wayne is the costume. And I really felt like, yeah, Robert Pattinson may not be perfect, but I felt like he was using Bruce Wayne as the costume and he looked and felt much more comfortable when he was wearing the Batman suit and being Batman. That's no argument. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100% correct. Yeah. 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 Um, was what worked more for everyone in terms of um, the, what did you? How did you guys feel about the Bruce Wayne side of things? Uh, I was actually fine with uh, Bruce Wayne ha taking a little bit of a backseat because I generally find the Bruce Wayne side of things a little less interesting for me personally when it comes to Batman. Um, I don't know what that says about my Batman fandom, but you know that I'm not I'm not a Batman fan on the level of Jeff in any way, or probably anyone here. Probably, uh, I'm, I'm I'm a Superman guy. Sorry, sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't mind I don't mind uh, his Bruce Wayne taking a backseat. Like I don't need to see that much of it, and I think they used it just enough. They gave us just enough a picture, and I like the fact that his Bruce Wayne was kind of uh, reserved completely he wasn't a playboy they didn't do any of that it was just like it, like his his mental his mental problems extended outward into bruce wayne i like that yeah I, I like that they just accepted gotham city basically accepted the fact that this guy's weird like and they just leave him alone and then he shows up to the funeral they're like oh decided to come out of your cave you know they're just like yeah they, they know this guy's a weirdo his parents were murdered like no shit you know like, so they're not like bruce you're the most eligible bachelor like i hate it when they do that stuff because you know if you live in that city you know the history of that kid and he's probably super fucked up in the head so right. you're gonna give him a wide berth you know i like that um and I like to treat, you know, Batman is basically James Bond for me. You can, and anyone can play him and it's not going to make a difference. You just drop him into a story and just start telling us stories about Batman. Like it's a one shot or one of the animated films. I don't need to see his parents being killed again, like fetishized. Like 
you don't want to see those pearls drop. We we all know. That, <laughs> we we get it. We all know. That's why I like the new Spider-Man movies because they didn't do that. They didn't do that like with uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, which is why those are not, not the greatest films. But uh, we get it. Everybody knows the origin of Batman. Just tell us a, a good story. So that's why part of the reason I really like this film is that they didn't treat you like a moron. And we're just like, okay, we all know who Batman is. Let's just tell a cracking good story. So, right. See, I like the good Bruce Wayne, but okay. As we've established, I already love the movie, but it really feels, and I know we've heard whispers and, and all that stuff. Um, it feels like they cut around him a lot. Like that performance was made in the editing room. And part of that is just because I hate his fucking guts. Um, but two, there's just so little of them, and when it's there, it's sort of piecemeal in a way. It's just kind of like, here's just enough to get us to the next scene. And so it feels like there's stuff missing. Um, that being said, um, good point. Like, people would probably leave him alone. Plus, this is not the Bruce Wayne that we know and love yet. This is trying to figure himself out, Bruce right, Wayne. Right, year two. Year two. Somewhere to go. Right. You know, it gives them something to grow into. So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Um, I'm I'm there, but I think that that performance was not intense so much as it was uh, created. Interesting. I like, I... I like that the person that recognized him was one of the people he thinks is like the biggest scumbag on earth. Like that's the person that recognized him in a crowd and talks to him. Like that shows you how lonely he is. <laughs> it's like Pop Cone is the one who's like, hey buddy, what's up? And he's like, that's like his worst enemy. That's that is actually really true. And also, uh, just another nod in that way. There is like there is some serious the, the there's some seriously dry humor in this film. It's a super dark movie. There are these little moments, like they're tiny moments, like when the penguin is bound with his arms and his legs, he starts waddling and it's totally like, I totally like laughed out loud when that <laughs> happened. It was such a, it was such a nice little touch because again, like the Nolan verse, this Batman world, whatever is supposed to be very like real. Like it's supposed to be very, uh, uh, it, it, there's nothing. Cause that's the thing about Batman. The penguin's like a, a fat guy. Right. He's and, just a fat guy. <laughs> and, and, and like the, there's a spectrum when it comes to Batman. It's like fantastical camp and then gritty, dark reality. And all of the movies, like all of Lego Batman to Nolan. Right. Well, every, I would say Batman before, and Robin. Or, or ba <laughs> yeah. Batman and Robin to, to Nolan. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I would put this right. Like maybe uh, just a, I, if Nolan is literally on one side of the spectrum, I would say that this is like maybe a little bit closer towards the middle, just a slightly away from the right Nolan under it. Are That's you talking I'm about at. realism or darkness? Because this is the definitely the darkest Batman okay. film. That there definitely is. the darkest Batman film. Agreed. 100%. I, if we were going like realis yeah, the realism, yeah, the, realism, the tonal realism scale, yeah. I would go like Nolan, then the Batman, then Snyder, and then yeah. somewhere, and then like Mask of the Phantasm, then like Keaton Tim Burton ish, <laughs> then Joel Schumacher. I love that the cartoon is in the middle for you. Yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, because it's the fact that it's a cartoon, it kind of pushes it down a bit. <laughs> but well, I think the fact that it's a cartoon just like speaks to how campy and fantastical Batman and Robin is compared to. And now here's the thing: 
Um, and I sort of, first of all, this Batman that we're getting is, I, I think it might be my, here's the thing. It doesn't encompass all of the stuff that makes Batman, Batman. None of them really do, but this one, um, but this one feels most authentic. As I said, that you feel the PTSD, like charred, like uh, scar tissue, whatever you want to call it, of this person and his trauma uh, manifesting itself in this way. And um, there was a thing I thought was so accurate, and I never thought about that with Batman before. Why doesn't Batman kill? And why doesn't Batman kill in this film in particular? And it's because... And why does Batman just instead of going after the systems of power, why does he go only after like low level thugs or criminals? It's like he go he chases the criminals. He doesn't go after the system. And I think the reason is because he does want it to continue. He wants it to continue because that's the way that he gets out his aggression as it's very it's very common to, you know, you've heard well, you that's hear this arc in this movie, right? Exactly. That's it's exactly what. That's, that's, that's exactly what my favorite what the arc part is. of the movie is. Yeah, uh, literally. That's what's so great. I, I about like it. his the way his arc is written and it's framed because it, in a way, it kind of criticizes Batman a little bit, and I really like that. It's like kind of subversive, yeah. in the, you yeah. know, especially that like third act twist. It's like, yeah, it, it's basically questioning everything about him, and he learns a lesson in the end. I mean, he actually learns to be right. better. It's not mm -hmm. the way I phrased it before exactly. was he learns that it's not all about him. Right, it's about them. Yes, yeah. If you're only fighting crime to for your own vengeance, it's not you're not do, you're not doing it right. And and what's interesting is, um, you, you just like I, I don't know what it. First of all, the score. Oh is, yes, this is oh the this is the best oh score. God, I the love score. Can I take oh. a moment to just gush about Michael Giacchino because he yeah, is right. one of my favorite composers to mm -hmm. come out of like the modern era. Like if like I just the first thing I ever watched by him was Lost, um, and he does some of the most iconic character themes for the characters on that show. And the main theme for that show is just it's just pure beauty. Um, he also did the music for Rogue One, and that main theme for Rogue One is one of my favorite main themes for any movie uh, in in this century. And Boy. He and also you. did uh, Cloverfield too with Matt Reeves, and that that oh main God, title right. theme for Cloverfield is so epic and so amazing. That's when I first noticed him. Yeah, he's fantastic. Did you yeah. do the Apes and, movies um, and, and the one movies? Apes movies. Matt Reeves is eight. He made oh, two Apes. Planet Planet of the Apes. Apes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He did Rise <laughs> and War. Yeah, and no, no, he did War and uh, Dawn. Dawn. Sorry, I'm, you're right. But yeah. um, yeah, no, he listen. And here's the thing about the score. It is unlike any Batman score that's come before it. And yet at the same time, you almost it it almost sounds like it could be like it's going to launch into something that like maybe Danny Elfman derivative of Danny Elfman. And it never does. It's super simple. And the reason why I was reading about this, I didn't realize this is what Chris was saying in, in, in terms of like the relation to the Star Warsness of it all, the, the Darth Vader's theme because both of them are based on what's known as the funeral march or something. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're hearing and it just works so well. It's a simple motif. It's like, 
if I was teaching a film class and I had to teach motif, this would be the uh, uh, great example of, of using um, uh, a, a score motif to establish a character and what they're all about. And, and, and since, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say, like sort of in response to you, Chris, you were saying that you were comparing Batman's theme to the Imperial March. When I was writing my thoughts down on this movie ahead of tonight, I actually compared Batman's theme to the Imperial March. Like, <laughs> that makes me happy. Yeah. But here's the thing I will point out, which nobody noticed since you just brought in it's based on the Funeral March, right? Yeah. And that should relate back to Matt Reeves' greatest film. Every time we talk about Matt Reeves, it's Cloverfield. It's the Apes movies. What about Paul Bear? Paul Bear. Paul Bear. Fuck he did Paul Bear. Paul Bear with David Schwimmer. <laughs> no, I've never seen it. But I am from now I saw on. That in theaters. Fight Paul Bear. <laughs> I'm not surprised, Bob. <laughs> Isn't that? Don't you have to do that for real? Ninety six, Nathan. I th- is that ninety six? I think it is. I think it is. It feels I like know. it's around there. If it's We're not ninety four, ninety five, at least. We're doing it. We got to do the stupids too. And uh, carpool. I, I, I'm, I'm ready for the stupid. Carpool. Carpool. Oh um, yes, okay. carpool. <laughs> carpool. I've seen carpool so many times. But um, uh, here's a movie that people people are saying, oh, this is like you know. The Nolan movies are like uh, Michael Mann, like Heat, and this this uh, new franchise is feeling like David Fincher kind of seven x seven esque. But I'm I'm thinking this is a lot like Blade Runner. This is something that a lot of people oh. have not brought up. This reminded me a lot of Blade Runner with the look, the uh, noir aspect, the voiceover, and I usually absolutely can't stand voiceover. I think it's one of the dumbest, laziest devices in film ever. But I actually like the voiceover here because you're actually being conveyed information that's not already being shown to you. Um, and you're getting his thoughts and his diary that he keeps, which is almost kind of like a serial killer diary. <laughs> um, but it, I thought I think this is one of the few exceptions where voice voiceover actually works in the film. And it felt very Blade Runner-esque to me, um, even though the final cut is my favorite version of Blade Runner without the narration. The point still stands. Um, just a oh, quick absolutely. note about Batman. Uh, the if you if you've ever read a Batman comic or you read Batman comics, Batman comics are loaded. Well, well, all comics are loaded with voiceovers, but Batman. There are certain Batman comics where his voiceover, his internal monologue, is a diary. And I think even yeah, the Long Halloween Year One. I think with Frank Miller, and so this felt so in tandem with the source material in that way it just it 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 just it worked so well it was really really good and the thing is the thing that makes voiceover um infuriating or can i actually i think voiceover when done well can or when done right can be incredible but um the thing that can make it so infuriating is when yes when it's uh when it's either redundant or it's laz- lazily communicating something and in this case it's doing neither it, it's uh it's just sort of expressing it's expressing, you know, just his internal thought process and like shading his character and what kind of Batman Bruce Wayne we're getting. Now, here's the thing, Batman and Bruce Wayne, it's every, there's the whole thing. Oh, actually, Batman is the real character and Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know this and whatnot. But generally, there is some sort of balance, whether it's a comic book or in any sort of media 
there's always a, ba- a, 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 a big balance of Bruce Wayne and Batman. In this film, there is, there is no balance. It is, all, it is all Batman. And when he is Bruce Wayne, he is just barely, barely holding on. And here's what I thought in my head. I think because this is year two Batman, I'm thinking in my head, this is a guy who's still figuring out how to be Batman and Bruce Wayne. It's early. He he has not figured out that balance. He has not figured out that perhaps he does need to have a more public role. And he's still, you know, uh, sort of grappling with how to um, how to juggle this duality. And right now, because he's so passionate about being Batman, it's all lo- it's all uneven. It's all about Batman. And there's no Bruce Wayne to speak of and that is why it, it that in that way it's very unbalanced um and sometimes it services the movie and it services the character and other times it, when you sort of look at it from like a big macro sort of place with It'll all the service other stuff, the franchise probably yeah most like I, yeah. I feel like there'll be more bruce wayne in the sequel because of his probably in the batman like you know what i mean like he'll be more comfortable with himself a little bit like he'll, it's because he kind of was also had yeah. dealt with his grief. He'll have dealt with how he is approaching himself as Batman. I've, and that'll bring out Bruce a little bit more. And he's going to, he's going to probably... bind to a symbiote suit and he'll do like a funny dance and he'll turn. Oh, into... no, no. Nathan, that's, that? the, that's the sequel I would make. That's I, I watched, uh, I watched Superman three yesterday, which I love unironically. And yeah. um, he's the this, this scene where he turns evil and he's flicking the peanuts. Like that is the greatest scene in the history of film. And I want to see like Bruce Wayne do something like that. Like he's just so turned, he just turned shitty for like one, one act or whatever. And then he's got to redeem himself. I like that. He's, you know, um, I don't know, picking up, you know, goes to Catwoman's house and has some kinky sex with her or something. I don't know. Get boys, like poison ivy or some kind of gas or something. To make yeah, I want to see a good yeah. poison ivy in this series, like uh, yeah. a, a lesbian poison ivy that embraces her femininity. And but what's you see, interesting. Sorry, you, see that in the, you see that in the cartoons. I want to see like more interesting characters. I think the whole underworld gangster aspect of Batman is sometimes more interesting than the crazy villains like Car- Carmine Falcone and Maroni. And the penguin is a gangster. Yeah, I, was, I was gonna say nothing can stop me from watching this penguin show. Number one, because oh the God. performance. Number two, because exactly what you're saying. Because you want to talk about supporting actor Oscar Colin oh Farrell. God, yeah. This movie. If you just showed this movie like he was like a <laughs> you surprise, would know. like a surprise cameo like Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. You just he's not in the credits. No one would know who it is. They'd be like, who is this guy? Like you can't even tell it's him. It's it's so amazing. I love hey. it. He had my favorite line in the movie, which was, "Are you are you playing good cop, bad shit cop?" <laughs> that was fucking great. Well, I love scene, the whole, whole scene was great. Yeah, the whole thing with the and the whole thing too with the with um with him, of course, being the penguin, knowing his span uh, his Spanish and and the different types of birds, or you know, the fact that they're having the conversation with the penguin about is it a are they talking about a pigeon? Are they talking about a falcon? Are they talking about a bat? Um. And uh, yeah, no, he he really was. He really, really was fantastic. And I think if like if we're talking about like the structure or like, you know, the fact that this is a three hour movie, um, I think if anything where this movie kind of suffers is like uh, even at three hours length, it's sort of trying to balance um, all of these things and the plot is very sort of noirish and convoluted. 
it does have like four villains. It, I mean, yeah, kind of a little bit. It does. Yeah, it's it's pretty jam packed. Uh, I would say, well, Catwoman, I wouldn't call a villain. She's more of an no, antagonist. She's yeah, she's an antagonist. Anti-hero would be she's the a, proper yeah, word here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Riddler, and then here's the thing: like, I loved. I mean, it's literally they they did the same thing that they did with Logan. They're doing the same thing that they did with uh, with Spider-Man: Homecoming. It's like, okay, we're gonna do a Batman movie and just basically like in uh, steep it in seven. And from the journals, from the journals in the Riddler's house to, you know, his, you know, all the different setups that he does to to sort of uh, knock people off. It's almost like sawish in a way. I mean, it all works. It all works really, really well. Uh, it's a great sort of uh, just dark uh, interpretation of everything. Um, but what I found to be what what I found the hardest part to digest was just the I feel like the mystery, um, it's like they focus too much on the plot. Oh, we lost Chris. I think he was having problems. Chris, come back. Chris, if you hear this, come back in, buddy. Click in and try to get back in here. Um, I think the I just I feel like some of the plot stuff just got too convoluted personally. I don't know about you guys. Did you have any problems with that? I um, didn't have any too many problems following the plot, but there was one major plot point that I take issue with um, largely because it doesn't it, it for a Riddler who seems to have a rhyme and reason to everything he does um, and a clear pattern of attacking people who he knows are inherently guilty. Um, he goes after Bruce Wayne, um, even though Bruce Wayne is not, in any way appear to be guilty of anything except being the son of his father. Um, he just kind of took... hates him because he's a rich kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's a really, it, for all, but like every other reason he has to go after everyone else, Falcone, the mayor, the commissioner, etc. They're all people that he can directly tie to this like uh, Gotham renewal fund that they're all using to just launder money and stuff. It felt weak to me. It was I, weak. I, I will tell you what could have fixed this. Um, because in the video that Riddler releases to the media, he talks about uh, Edward Elliot. So what I was hoping was that somewhere between that point and the end of the movie that we were going to get a reveal of Tommy Elliot as another orphan from that same orphanage who likely was pulling the strings or you know, with the, or working behind the scenes with the Riddler, you know, and somehow convinced, and somehow convinced him to go after Bruce Wayne, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's I, I would have liked to see a, make sense. A clay face reveal in one of these movies needs to happen. The fact that oh, we haven't had, shit. <laughs> the fact that we haven't had clay face yet, where it's like, oh, we caught the Riddler and you just, it's clay face. It's clay like, face. Oh, shit. I feel like Fuck yes, I don't. Dude. I don't think that we'll get that type of villain maybe in these Matt Reeves movies. I feel like Clayface might be too. I feel. Like I don't know. Have... He fits that tone so okay. perfectly. Hey, I mean, so I could be wrong. There's so many Batman villains, and you know, I, I know just you the actual with, physics of it. Like to Clayface, go with the popular you know. ones, you got to go with the same four or five villains. But like, yeah. I don't know about you. I'm. I'm pretty much. I'm good with the Joker. I don't need to see the Joker ever again. No, it's enough. <laughs> you just it's enough. say he's he's locked up in Arkham, and you can have a scene like Hannibal Lecter where he's locked up. I don't need to see right. him running around Gotham anymore. We've done that like 
two, three times already. So um, I want to see different villains. I want to see like Maxi Zeus when his gang of Olympus, yes! you know, Olympus God brainwashed, you know, henchmen. Or, like, King Tut. You know, King Tut or Egghead. Man, Egghead King Tut. <laughs> Clock yes. King, you know, Clock Calendar King. Man. You know, Clock King in the Calendar animated series was badass. Crazy so, quote. <laughs> or like, like, like Firefly or... <laughs> KG Beast or how something. How about you know? Killer? Have we gotten Killer Croc yet? Well, he's in Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, he's in. Oh other yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Not yeah, in yeah. a Batman. Not Batman versus Killer Croc. Frank, I mean, there's, there's, there is so much, there's so much uh, potential, and and that's that's what's interesting, and that's what's interesting about the Nolan movies, and that's what's interesting about this Reeves verse or whatever. It is. It's this idea of like what of what Nathan was saying about like would that work or, or was it you, Bob, who said it? Someone who said, "I just said, yeah. The fi- yeah, the physics of it. How does it work in this universe?" And that is the problem when it's, it's so a, it's real a tonal than real. Thing. It's a tunnel, right? Like, well, it's goes back I don't to the spectrum. Clay, I don't see Clayface. I I want to see Clayface, Nathan. I'm not saying that. No, I get. Like, I totally I, agree with yeah, you. I, I don't. I, I just see would like to see them it. doing it. I, yeah, I would absolutely. like to see it too. I don't see it happening in whatever this franchise becomes. It's kind I don't of. I think shame. they're gonna have like they're not gonna have a guy made of clay. They just gotta well, science the shit out of it. Just figure it out in a scientific way. You, they might. I might be wrong. Do know <laughs> that uh, there is going to be a spinoff series um, that takes place in Arkham. Yeah. So you could yes. get that Clayface. I, I, yeah, that might yeah. happen. I could be. Yeah. I could eat my words there. Be awesome, Man Bat and Clayface. Like that's all. We I'd need. love to see Man Bat. Now that that's the so show great. we need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, Bat, it's a road that, trip show. Yeah, you're going to pure traveling around the point. country, seeing America. <laughs> get, yeah, you know, Mad that's Hatter. Double feature with with the um, Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man. That we oh, jeez. That's the double feature. I did not expect that movie to come up. I, I gotta tell did you, you. But wait, did you expect Paul Bearer to come up? That's what no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm You're right. For. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm here for it. That, Chris, I love you, it. You come in with those deep cuts, and it's yeah. just, it just works so well. Um, I would like to see. Uh, it would be great to get. Imagine you have. A, okay, about this. Uh, you could do Clayface. It would be very interesting because then we do get that subterfuge. Or how about this? How about this? You get. Um. In the same, do what you did with the Riddler, but do it with the Mad Hatter, and imagine where that goes. If you know what I mean, I mean that gets really dark. Yes, and it it's does. like the Mad, the Mad Hatter, and like you know, children are going missing, something like that. And then at the very end of that movie, at the very end of that movie, after the whole escapade adventure is over, you have um, somebody, whether it's Mad Hatter or somebody else, not, probably not Mad Hatter. Some, maybe like one of Mad Hatter's henchmen does what Nathan said, just uh, shifts and suddenly they're Clayface. And that leads you into the third movie or that that's that they set that up for next time. It would just be friggin. Uh, it'd be crazy. Be, I'm down. Shyam- Sh- Shyamalan-esque. And yeah. it yes. would just be like, or Batman ah! was Clayface the whole time. <laughs> ah! um, what is, um, who's the ventriloquist guy? Scarface. Scarface. Oh, I'd, I'd love to see him too. That would be movie. awesome. Yeah, be in awesome. this world, yes. Yeah, yes. that'd be really cool. Black Mask and Scar. I know Black Mask has been used in Birds of Prey, but it's not really. That was not the real Black Mask. We'll just it, pretend that, that, that movie is the real anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, question: How do so? What? How does everybody feel about Alfred in this film? Uh, kind of a negative, I will say, and it has nothing to do with Andy Circus. I think it's just the way the character is used. Um, I agree. 
very slight presence and he's kind of there just for Bruce Wayne to react to doesn't yeah. really have his own agency I felt I love Andy Circus. he does a fine job as an actor totally. I just felt like there was in a three-hour movie you've got like three scenes with Alfred I mean well I, I kind of disagree with you guys there a little bit but for because for me the whole like Alfred was really part of his arc is like yes he was distant from Alfred but like that hospital speech said everything you need to know. Like him yeah. saying, like he was not. I was. I didn't know if I should have been your father, and I obviously chose not to. Mm. And that led to him becoming this like adolescent, vengeful kid that we are introduced to at the beginning of the movie. You know, this I mean, lost like, he, kid with no guidance. Right, he has no guidance. Alfred was not there for him, and that I think the movie shows that. Once again, I think we're going to see a lot more of him in the sequels because yeah. we're going to form a tight bond and we're going to actually witness that I, on screen. I, I like that scene and I agree with you, but I feel like before that, he's hardly in the film. So it didn't hold the same dramatic weight that it should have, at least in my opinion. That's the he problem. Was under, the he's movie. underused. He's because, underused yeah. a lot. And that's the problem. But it's funny you say that. Um, what is it the Bob? Let's try to get everybody straight here. Um, you can call me Bill. It's it's, I just added Bill for the bad. <laughs> because it's cool. Um, I, it's funny you say that because I just, the other day before we did our Batman show, I had watched Batman Forever. And remember Alfred's whole speech in that, you know, little men, or was it boys with a penchant for, uh, for vengeance or yes. for revenge? They don't need encouragement. They need guidance. Right. And that was like his one just sort of like, boom, I got to go. I'm out. And it, so it, that's Robert Pattinson's favorite here. Batman movie, too. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, Release the Schumacher cut. He, he said Release it like the Schumacher cut. Damn straight. No, no, wait. You said forever. You said returns. I'm sorry. He said forever. his forever, favorite. Forever. Oh, I apologize. He said returns was his favorite movie. His it's favorite everybody's Batman favorite movie. Batman movie, or at least it should be. <laughs> it's not Jeff's. Oh. Not mine. Batman, Batman yeah. Forever, baby. Yeah, I know. That's not true, though. You know what? I, if you if you put a gun to my head and you say, "Hey, do you like Batman, Batman Returns, or Batman Forever best?" I like might not be able to answer that because I like all of them for different reasons at different times. I, I all I've ever said is that Kilmer is, I think, the most balanced one. But we'll say the what, most important thing here is too. Like, there's a Batman for everyone now. Batman's yeah, had more totally. more like live action itinerations than any hero. I'm pretty sure, unless you guys can think of somebody else. We, I think it's seven even, or eight. Yeah, I think, like it, like if you count even like the serials that came before Adam West, there's like two seven of those. Yeah, I'm just saying, there's a lot Adam of West. choice. You like four. That's why five. like comparing and yelling at each other over who's the best kind of doesn't make sense because like we have a buffet, people. Well, that's what I, I meant it... at the beginning about about it being like Shakespeare. Like you literally can take Batman and you can do you can do Batman and Robin and be like, hey, let's go full on camp and have bat nipples and whatnot. Or you can literally have this dark, darker, just the darkest, grittiest um, uh, version of Batman. And it, all of it is going to be valid in some way. And I will say this. I still like Val Kilmer's Batman voice the best personally, but I have to tell you the, I thought his performance, the embodiment of what he, what he was trying to do. Like I really, really felt him sort of living in this character and the, my favorite moment in the whole movie, my favorite moment. 
Are you was, talking about Forever or the Batman? No, I'm talking about the Batman right okay, now. Okay, okay. My favorite moment in the Batman, I think, is when he goes up to the top and he puts on the. He's about to glide down, and there's this brief moment, and we've never seen this in any Batman movie. There's a brief moment where he's terrified of the heights, Absolutely. and it's right. never Love explained. It. They don't explain it. They don't have to explain it. It's literally like this dude is still figuring this shit out and he is terrified. That's what's so interesting about what he's doing. And talk about the opposite of lazy voiceover. Here is showing uh, showing and not telling us, showing us a guy who is so trying to embody this thing despite how terrified he might actually be inside of not only what he's attempting to do, but what he is slowly losing himself to. He slowly, every night, he goes out and he looks He looks for trouble. He looks for guys to just beat the, the tar out of him. And even, you know, there's that moment where he, he's crushing the dude's face and James Gordon is like, yo, hey! No, like, he's like, he's had, you know, uh, he's, at the beginning of his arc, he has to fuck the pain away, pretty much. Right. Literally. You know? yeah. <laughs> I will say... <laughs> What am I? <laughs> it's a good point. It is. Imagine if they played the song. Oh my That's God, what funny. this needed. Get some peaches. <laughs> yeah. Sucking on my titty like, like you want me. You calling me all the time. So, good night, everybody. Would watch. There's a lot of great shots in this film, and my I think my favorite shot is a shot you might not even remember when the scene before they go to the they go to the building where the bat signal's at, and they're both like, "I didn't call you. Did I? Did you call me?" And he's like, "No, I didn't call you." There's a scene where the Batmobile is pulling up to Jim Gordon's car, and you, it's coming. The shot is from inside the car, and it's mm. almost like a handheld car, handheld shot, and the light is just from the high beams of the Batmobile. You just see Jim Gordon just nonchalantly get out. That little shot right there, I was like, wow, that's a that's a great shot because it feels like a candid shot of them just meeting up. Usually it's like a there's a drone and there's a crane and a jib and like, but it was a very simple shot. So next it's time you go back and watch that, just it's about halfway through the movie. It's a very, very simple shot, but it looks amazing, I thought. Um Roger Deakins too represent, right? Absolutely. Absolutely um, great. To to piggyback on to what Nathan just said uh and talked about the Batmobile. And to piggyback on the previous thing about him being terrified and like literally us never getting an explanation why another great example of showing and not telling like the 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 sophomoric nature of year two Batman. We see that he's building the Batmobile for the first time. They never talk about it. And it's like in any if this was J.J. Abrams, there would Alfred, be a scene. Alfred would be like, what are you working on? Yeah, and he like they would turn to the camera and be like, "So, how are the pro? How are the parts coming along for the brand new Batman?" Oh yeah, Iron Man would be like, "I'm working on the second prototype of the ZX42, whatever." No, you you get it because that scene where they're they ambush the penguin or whatever. Yes, that's what I was going to say. He revs up the Batmobile. That shit was awesome. Yes, yes, no, but it doesn't. But what's amazing is it's just like when he's going to jump off. He revs up the engine and and then it, it short circuits for a second. It, mm-hmm. it sputters out. And I did not notice that. I at least that's how I read that moment where he starts it up, and it's all like it's again, just like with Mandy and people who hate on Mandy and say, Oh, there's no story. It's like, dude, there's tons of story. You just not gotta know where to look. 
And in the Batman, there's this whole narrative of, hey, I'm, I'm, I use a motorcycle. It's never talked about in the movie. I use a motorcycle. I want to graduate to a car. I'm building this custom prototype engine. I'm, I'm taking it out of the shop for the first time to, to take down the penguin. Here I am revving it up because I, my whole thing is about being a warning and scaring the shit out of people. And I turn the engine and how embarrassing the engine doesn't work, which ties into the notions of, of screenplay tropes of like the, 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 what is it like the hero that is like unsure of themselves or like still like finding their way and like that sort of thing. It's all there. It's a Han Solo hyperdrive moment. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Chris, totally to right. Star Wars theme. Right, right. Chris, totally right on that. So, by the way, just I, I just want to throw this out real quick because it totally illustrates like me and Jeff's relationship is him bringing up Mandy right now. And stop me if I'm wrong, but does everybody in the room like Mandy? Never seen uh, it. I will say I, I, I really like Mandy, but I do feel it's a tad overrated. I like Mandy. But not a bad film at all. Right. At all. I, I enjoy yeah. watching it. I just feel yeah, like I'm some some people <laughs> prop it up a little I, too yeah, much. I'm, I'm not oh, cutting yeah. I'm not cutting Mandy into my skin. No. You know, like it's not that low. I sat there. I mean, I have it just because they sent it to me and I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll keep it. It's free. But it's a gorgeous Oh my film. god, I hate that fucking movie so much. And it's you know, me and Jeff are gonna we're gonna have to have a Mandy episode just so I can sit there I can't and wait. like I you can't know, wait for that, Chris. I, can't I just, wait. you know what? I gotta, I gotta buy people's reasons for revenge, and I'm sorry. I'm just gonna go get something better because mm, kind of homely. I have a whole. Okay, it's not for the show, but I am about to wipe you with those words. I'm gonna wipe the floor with those words. I got it. I got you covered. Eight ways from Sunday. But we'll save that for the Mandy show. We're, we'll save it for the Mandy show. We're saving for the Mandy show. Let's move on. I yes. wouldn't go kill for that ugly chick. Um, moving on. So, in fact, let's let us segue because I know I was off camera for a couple of minutes. But did we talk about Catwoman? No, barely, barely. Okay, biggest that was surprise year one Catwoman. Yeah, yeah it, year one Frank Miller Catwoman, and that's why I don't have a problem with her. She looks like Catwoman in Frank Miller's comic. I can't True. complain. She was great. You know, she has the body of a twelve-year-old boy, but other than that, I have no complaints. Yeah, her. Yeah. I loved her performance. And not only that, like they also use the long Halloween dark victory narrative elements that, yes. uh, yes. that were given Falcone. to her backstory. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I love, since those were like my first ever Batman stories, I love that about her. Even to the point where she scratches Cat, uh, yes. Carmine's face with right. three fingers. Yep. Yep. Just like in long Halloween. Yeah. The only thing I, and I, going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, as far as there's a Batman for everybody, I'm still waiting for my Batman, which is 70s Neil Adams Batman. I was going to say the same thing, Christopher. Thank you really? very much. Yes. Just I, the I, whole I, like the whole Laughing Fish era kind of vibe where it's just mm -hmm. Batman. The stories are dark, but Batman's costume is colorful. And it's just that 70s vibe. I, I would it, love How to many see times, that. like every three issues, he's shirtless with his cowl on. Yes. Out with somebody. Remember that? <laughs> And yes, I'm sitting absolutely. there as, as like an 11 year old going, that's weird. I want to see like S. Craig Zoller direct like a 70s <laughs> oh Batman. Oh my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh tickets sold. Tickets sold. The tickets oh, sold. Yeah. 
There's a there's a graphic novel I had for a long time. I wish I still had it. It's called The Greatest Joker Stories Ever Told. And it's I know like this. A, I know it's this. like a graphic novel that's this thick and a lot has a lot of the old 70s nope. Joker stories when he was he was a scary scary bad guy. Like The Laughing Fish and 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 stories like that, like so good. And I don't want to go off on a Joker tangent, but I feel like I don't know. It's, I have jo- one. It's Joker kind of represents a, a really shitty version of fandom that I don't want to get into anymore. <laughs> I did, Nathan, I did not know you you knew this much about Bat or that you were this well versed in Batman. Like I'm. Blown I love Batman. When I was watching, yeah. I was a huge comic book nerd growing up. That was my thing. I I was a very very you know introverted loner kind of kid. I was really into comic books, uh, Batman, Silver Surfer, stuff like that. Um, when I watched this movie, I, I was like, you know, these guys actually read the comic books. That's what it felt like during this movie. Like, you know, Tim Burton, you can say what you want, Tim Burton. He's like, I never read a Batman comic or whatever. Or I've only, you know, he watched the show and that was pretty much it. I love Batman 89. It's my favorite Batman. But this movie actually felt like somebody read the comic books, the, the, yeah. you know, and, and yes. paid, paid attention to the continuity. The stuff with Falcone and Catwoman, Catwoman being Falcone's illegitimate daughter and getting scratched oh. in the face and penguin actually being like an underboss and trying to work right. his way up. And he had the iceberg lounge in the club within a club. All that stuff is direct from the comic books. And yep. it's, it felt like my intel, my, my knowledge of the source material was being rewarded for it. And, and they're actually like taking the stuff seriously instead of going, Oh, Batman and who gives a fuck. We'll just throw this shit in here. And people will be like, Oh yeah, there's this guy named Carmine Fal- Carmine Falcone. We'll make, We'll make him a serial killer and he'll get superpowers at the end of the movie. That's, that's <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how some comic books feel. You're like, what? Did you even read the comic books? Like, what? This, right. Why did you even put this character in here See, if he's nothing I, like it? That's how I feel about the Crow movie. That's just how I feel about the Crow movie. Beautiful movie, <laughs> but fucking terrible comic adaption. Um, like Constantine. I love Constantine. Not a yes, Constantine. That's... Worst comic ad- adaptation ever. As I love far the as movie. the main character is concerned, yeah, it's the movie. worst version of Constantine you could possibly do. Yeah, absolutely. It just but didn't need just... to be named that. It just could just be an awesome Keanu movie. That's all. Yeah. But you like Keanu so much, you're like, okay, is it yeah. good? No. Do you own it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that that movie is literally like studio executives like well americans don't like british people's accents and like as a main right. character so what do we do so <laughs> you know we don't we don't a- alienate the fucking flyover states like who gives a shit if it's a good movie it's a good movie like jason statham now uses his accent in all his movies like nobody gives a shit anymore it's just just well i mean they're not they're not aiming at us anymore they're aiming at like we're not even the biggest market, so they don't yeah, care. Exactly. No, yeah, it's, like, yeah. China. Comic books have long since gone mainstream, and yeah, China is now a huge market that studios are desperate to get their stuff into. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, did anybody notice this? All right, here's a here's a real deep cut. Talk, and I agree, dude. If you have that comic book knowledge, you you do get rewarded. You get rewarded so much because you you pick up on all the little flourishes. It's, Here's a yeah, flourish that I noticed. I, I noticed right, it. Exactly. I, I used to read Batman comics. I totally agree with Nathan. I don't necessarily, I don't necessitate that to love a Batman movie though. You know what I no, mean? No, absolutely not. Like no, not no. at all. No, but, but it, it yeah, enriches. It, it does enrich it. Yeah. It enriches the experience. So here's something that I noticed at the end that just had me stoked. Um, he gets, he just get, and you know, I loved, I, I, I love the suit. The suit really worked for me. Um, as someone who I, I hate the Nolan suit, 
I hate it. With I am so, so with deeply. you, Jeff. You don't even understand. I, I, I hate them so deeply. I, I'm a big fan of the, loathe that suit. Yeah, hate them so much while, while loving all of the 90s suits. I think they're all great in, in various different ways. This suit I really, really like for a lot of reasons. It's a tactical suit. It feels like, uh, I don't know, he had the technology, but at the same time, it didn't feel uh, like, like, you know, again, where is he on the spectrum? He's not on the campy side of the spectrum at all. I'll One, ask a question to the group since you're talking about the suit. Are any of you guys familiar with the Batman Arkham video games? Because yeah. Yes, uh, like yes. It was derived sort of. I've seen the... somewhat from uh, Arkham Knight, you know, especially with like the bat, you know, the bat symbol on the chest that was actually detachable. Which is never explained, by the way. I had heard before the buzz leading up to this movie was that that was the gun that killed his parents, that he turned into a symbol. I don't. That know sounds they, like some bam madness. There they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't I know if that's, if that's what yeah. he's going with, but I do remember at least it's clarified in Arkham Knight that 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 the bat symbol on the suit is actually where it's most bullet resistant. Right, because it draws. They want, yeah, they want gunfire, the target to be there. Yeah, which goes that goes all the way back to um to the Dark Knight Returns when oh. when we see that he uh uh that he has Kevlar right in the center or whatever um when he gets shot out of the sky when he has the when he has the the, the, the grappling the Dark Knight Return yeah. yeah 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 but but there's a moment at the end where first of all I just love seeing this dude just like take bullet after bullet and just like being bulletproof it was really cool like i don't know how realistic it was not that yeah like, like i question even if you have a bulletproof mask on getting shot in the head i don't <laughs> i don't know it, it, man. it was I, really cool yeah but did, you know like the force a bullet hits yeah <laughs> like, well they did kind of show that at the end when he gets hit with a shotgun right like, which like, i'm done thank I'm you done. <laughs> i'm out you know, and he takes the, <laughs> the adrenaline shot thing was awesome i'm not uh, yeah. uh, 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 not, not, no not Stand adrenaline up. Not adrenaline. Yeah. It was fuck. That was gonna be my yeah, Chris. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Oh, that was he fucking took. Ve- no, it's cool. He took venom, dude. That was I straight think, up fucking I think venom. It's a little you think he took Bane's venom? We can yes. Use it in the future, yes. You know. Okay. Hey, I mean, we have it. We can use it if we if we think. If that's what it was, that's fine too. I that's think they're precisely... they're setting up a whole universe, just like the Spider Man. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, if it's yeah. Bane's venom, well, that's fine. That's one thing that I'm a little kind of afraid of here because. One of my biggest, the some of like the ner- the nerd pandering movies that I've hated the most are the ones that kind of are too focused on setting stuff up. Yes, and I not did, so I much did. on the movie Absolutely. that they're making. But what um, did you mean? Do you mean, Spider-Man do you mean like Batman totally opening a away. file on his computer and then having all the symbols? Of <laughs> right. They I did, I did not. <laughs> but this wait, doesn't wait, do that. It symbols? doesn't make that fatal mistake. No, no. I, it second. does make a fatal mistake at the end of the film. I did not like the secret scene at the end. I thought it didn't work for me at all. And what it, with it Joker? Done, yes. No. It didn't. It didn't. We didn't need that. Absolutely no, we not. Didn't, we did it's not just, need that. I completely feel okay. it's just it's a little it's a tip to the half for people. You know what I mean? Kind of like okay, I, a vampire. Because at this I point, did, it, it's hold like on, a, hold on. I did a deep dive into the Joker for this movie, and I did find an article. There was actually another scene that was cut from the movie. Yes, where Batman, really concerned about the Riddler, tries um, visits Arkham and tries to ask the Joker about the Riddler and what he thinks about it. And that scene, it was shot, but it was cut. Oh, so yeah. having, 
So I, I feel like if they wanted to include the Joker in that final scene, they should have included that earlier scene where Batman goes Agreed. to the Joker. Like you can't have it both. Like I, I mean, feel you like you can see you can see complete. it's clearly the Joker in in that scene. Yeah. But it's just I, I like, really hope they don't do that next. I it's, I went just, with you, Nathan. Man, I just like. I just said that he it's doesn't enough. want to. Yeah, no Joker, yeah. at least not, a, not I thought, until a third movie if you get a third movie. Absolutely. I thought that's what this movie was going to be. I thought the Batman was going to have use the Joker to help him catch the Riddler. The Joker oh. would be locked. The, the Joker would be like, like locked like up in Hannibal Arkham. Lecter like Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. Lecter. Yeah. I would have yeah. been fine with that. That would have been cool. Um, but no, it was it wasn't anything like that. Um, that might have been a little too like Red Dragon for. I, don't, too like I, Red I, Dragon. I you know, <laughs> yeah. apart from that, you know, I also kind of look at that in the same way that I look at the Venom. It's just when you see the jo- him That's being you guys in Arkham, just, you're just guessing that, right? You, there's no proof on that, right? What the Venom I, thing? I, oh, I no, mean, no, 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 no. I I watched that. So I watched that scene. It's 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 green liquid that he injects yes. into his body. There is a. Uh, an old this is from 88 there's a there's a one one shot sort of trade paperback called batman venom or batman or is it from the lazarus pit it could i was thinking that too it could have been right? lazarus lazarus batman uh, would never pit. willingly use a lazarus yeah pit. he's a goody two shoes but um but there is a comic book where he does use venom and he gets addicted to venom a little yeah. girl drowns and he lets the little he 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 blames himself, and so he gets really hooked on Venom for a while. Yeah, and it was a miniseries. It was a miniseries, right? And it yes. was before Bane, so Bane, Bane didn't even exist yet, and Venom, Bane, Bane's use of Venom didn't exist yet. And so I don't know. I do know that Robert Pattinson had read Batman Shaman, which came out roughly around the same time as Batman Venom. It does not. It, it, I I could totally imagine bat uh him using venom for that and it, plus it makes it a lot cooler that like you know it's like what's the one thing that would allow him to push through after getting shot that many times taking a shotgun to the chest fucking venom, venom. it's perfect for a batman I'm like this disagree- i'm not disagreeing i was just yeah wondering yeah. i was just asking if there was something i had missed no 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 was, no i conjecture because i, I, I mean bob i thought it was adrenaline too i, didn't I, I mean it's just like that. it seemed like that's what adrenaline yeah. does too i mean he literally shoots himself up and starts screaming it, it was reminded awesome me of, it reminded me of the scene from uh it was the jason statham movie um crank crank it yes. reminded me of crank yes. yeah with the adrenaline sequence <laughs> right and right. then literally after that sees a hanging electricity thing and just decides like impulsively to jump out for it and cut it down wow. to save everybody. Okay, in that scene, why does he cut? I guess it doesn't matter because he's gonna fall, but he cuts above his arm instead of right below. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, all right. I guess. I think I mean, he was in fuck it mode at that time. He's I was like, in I'm fuck all, it mode. I'm yeah. all jacked up he on knew he was gonna hit the water. Yeah, yeah, so he's so he's matter. ready to die for the people, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did, you know that I, I that was a little that was also kind of goofy. That there's a moment where he's like, I don't even care if I live or die, and it's like, I kind of feel like going back to the idea of like they're doing such a good job of showing and not telling. That's like a thing. Like, why didn't you just show us that? Like, why that's, did you have to tell us that? That's you know? kind of his even need to tell us that because one look at Bruce Wayne and you can tell he. You know, yeah, he just doesn't care about anything, you know. Who does he tell that to? Does he tell that to Catwoman? He's just the, like, I don't, maybe, I don't care. 
to Alfred. Well, yeah, but or that's his character. Just... That's his character at the time. He develops his character as the movie goes on, and he actually does care about saving people and not just about yeah. vengeance. And so that 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 little line that he gives is it necessary? No, but he's just kind of like. I don't even care. Like, it might just care. be like a, like a character progress mark. Just very brooding. Yeah. Just very emo, you know, whatever. It It's great, dude. It's just, I, this, I definitely have hey. to watch this like one or two times more to like sort of unpack it. Continue. I'm yeah. definitely going to try to watch it again in theaters at least one more time. I probably will yeah. too. Yeah. I was going to, uh, like as far as nitpicking, I wanted to say, we yeah, we're talking about the tonal scale. Yeah. And for the tone this movie's going for, I had three instances of things that truly bothered me. And this is not dialogue or story, really. It's just like the actual filmmaking. Um, one, like for the tone this movie's going for, I found uh, one, the ramp appearing out of the blue perfectly so his car could jump over the giant fireball. It was I a transporter it- moment. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. If that happened in a transporter movie or a bad boys movie or something, I wouldn't even question it. I'd actually like it. But in yeah. this movie, I was like, it, really? You're just going to put a ramp like that perfectly? I was like, it just, this is that movie. I, I feel like it's below Matt Reeves like, to do that's, that. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just below the movie. I, I was like, that scene okay. was, that was a weird scene because it was. It was. I mean, <laughs> that really was cool car coming through the flames and stuff but i was like to achieve that there had to be another way the penguin causes a horrific car crash on an interstate or a highway and i'm sure there has to be casualties and batman is just i got the penguin like and i get it he's in that vengeance well i'm just talking literally about the ramp perfectly showing up (laughs) he's not really thinking about saving people but i'm like dude there's like people back there that probably could use you right right now like could you so that scene bothered me a little bit i'm like but again i get it he's not in that mode yet but still like you could have been like like, for me it was the ramp though it wasn't even i wasn't even as bothered by the the ramp it was like that (laughs) ramp appearing was just like too silly the second one was the i loved it like jeff you talked about the parachute when he like he's actually oh. gets scared, but that landing, I don't care if you have armor on, that would be kill dead. a human being. He I was be like, mush. you guys could have thought a different way to do this for this tone. If it's a different tone, I wouldn't have questioned it. If that happened to like George Clooney, I wouldn't care, or it'd be fine. <laughs> but if it happens to him or Christian Bale, I'm like, uh, that a human being's bodily yeah. organs the get crushed. Second- the second you accept Batman, you kind of have to give it license. No, I don't, I, I don't agree. I agree with Chris. I, I, I don't agree. agree. With Chris. Don't the agree second, with that. I don't agree with that. It's what the, the tone too. of the movie is going for. It the was man, almost like he was going to stand up and go, I'm okay. <laughs> like, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, and then, there, then the third one for me was uh, the, the neck bomb explosion. He was too close to it. He was killed. I don't care He's what too close to it. I don't understand the execution of that. It's what? below Matt Reeves. There's no reason Robert Pattinson's face needed to be that close when it exploded. I don't care if you put his arm up. That's not how this works. You know yeah, what's crazy? That he physically has it, it, it made me cringe. Is, I was like, I can't believe really? you guys did this. Yeah. It's I was like, none, the of, that, edge of, none of these things bothered me. It, should, I, I, it totally is me. wrong. It is I wrong. I did think that with the explosion right away, I was like, he should be. His he should be dead. Be this is off. stupid. Nah. Yeah, don't. Why, didn't why bother is his face? It should burn. You're wrong for not because it's terrible. You know what it is? I love the movie. It's in. It's. I. I think that it really does work. What Chris is saying. It's like. It's like the moment that you accept Batman, 
you have to, be to fair. accept these things. Okay, and uh, okay. Roll I, I, there's there's a scene in the Dark Knight I also hate when he jumps out of that skyscraper. Oh, there's a lot of scenes in the Dark Knight and lands on his back on top of a taxi. I was like, okay, just because yeah. he has armor on, you can't survive that fall. No, I'm I'm with you on that one because that scene is the it, only scene that still bugs the crap out of me. Right, I, I and, sure and it's because of the tone of the movie. Like, I really want to stress that. I love dumb movies. I think Jeff and Nathan know that. I would be oh, perfectly yes. fine with that in, like, you know, a Michael Bay movie or something. That's fine. But in this, I was just like, eh, he would no, be dead. I, you, know, like, you, know, you know what it is, too? Yeah. It might be because we know that Batman is a man, that he is he has no powers. And therefore, yeah. it's part of what makes his character his character. So to see him when – and it does happen in a lot of Batman lore. Even when you're watching the Batman the Animated Series and I try to – translate what he's doing in the animated series into like seeing like an actual flesh and right. blood human do it like when he jumps just even from like a really high building and like lands on his feet <laughs> yeah i just think about my knees and my ankles and like mm-hmm. the impact and like it, it just you just kind of like have to let these things go uh, not i'm not Jeff, saying you i'm willing to go with that yeah. like like that kind of stuff i'm willing to go with but that i mean really next time you watch it that parachute hit is nuts. No human it being. Is can nuts. That. It is nuts. No but human yeah. being. Unless he was Again, all juiced up with the venom, I may be. <laughs> you want to know something? And that's the other thing, too, is like you, you, perhaps who knows what he is. Who knows what he is doing? Yeah, and I'll tell you this, he's too. He's been juicing that whole time. He might have been juicing that whole time. I'll tell you this, too, because you see him without his shirt off and he doesn't look. I mean, he looks he's beefed up in that suit. But then when he's like just, you know, Bruce Wayne uh, shirtless, he just seem, he seems a little frail. Yeah, he's um, yeah. scrawniest, he's a scrawniest well. Batman. Yeah, absolutely. he's a scrawny I really, Batman. I really support the Batman stuntman. He's my favorite Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, kudos to the stuntman. I will say this: there is something to his walk, his Batman walk, the way that he moves as Batman. It's 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 fantastic. It's it's unlike the anything we've ever seen. Yeah, he's really course. really focuses on his footsteps a lot. Yes, it's, it's all got, like, the, the score and the footsteps. It's almost it's got just... the Jurassic Park T Rex showing up thing <laughs> when he's walking into a room, which I really it's like. It's true, man. It's so yeah. true. And you know, you can see, you can see, you can almost like see Robert Pattinson like like concentrating on like trying to embody this idea of this guy who like is forcing himself to be fearless and forcing himself like, so it's so interesting. Cause he's like, de- he's scared deep down inside, but he's also bloodthirsty. Like he's super bloodthirsty. Here's a part of the, you want to know what didn't work for me in the movie? Like really didn't work for me. Um, it, you know, again, I, I always talk about like the core tenets of Batman. What's one of them not taking a life, not like, you know, not using guns. And normally if it was any other Batman movie, I'd go, yep. That, Cause that's what Batman does. But I got to tell you, this is a Batman where I'm like, kind of like this Batman might kill somebody, number one, if and number like kill someone on purpose. Could. Right. And number two, when he prevents Selena Kyle from from executing uh, Carmine or whatever, like when there's several. Oh, what, and the and the dirty cop, she, she puts the gun to his head and he's like, no, we don't do that. And I just felt it felt so like Fake. contrived. <laughs> yeah, it was so contrived to me because I'm like, there, there's nothing. You are literally just doing this because it's Batman and Batman has to. There is nothing I've seen of this Batman in this universe, in this tone, in this story that would suggest otherwise that he is would not be okay if, if some dirtbag bought it. Like he just would not give a shit. It felt so against type. And that's me 
being like the the fundamentals like no these are the things that make batman batman it honestly it trying to embody this core trait of batman in this world almost felt like a betrayal to the character that was being cultivated because that batman would allow people to die he just wouldn't give a shit well i think it's early on in his career he's still struggling with that like he's it's year two you know, he does tell Catwoman, no guns. Like, don't, you yeah. can't. Go. Right. You know, like, so he well, is like, struggling with that, you know. Yeah. Him hating guns what because of his parents are. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, yeah, because he doesn't want anyone to, like, suffer what his parents are. Um, a huge one thing that they show and don't tell is um, at the funeral sequence, Bruce Wayne looks at the, at the dead mayor's son. You know. Oh, yeah. I feel a like lot. he identifies yeah. with yes. that kid. And whatever the mayor may, it was well you know, done. may have was done. Well done. He certainly like you can tell that he's resolved to make sure that the killer is brought to justice. That scene, by the way, is fantastic in the funeral because you can hear the car coming yep. and yep. the people are screaming outside. You're like the whole time you're like, oh, my God, something horrible is about to happen. You can yeah. feel that. So he did a great job in that scene of building dread and tension. And that brings me to the scene that I have one of the biggest problems with as far as the pacing of this movie is concerned. And okay. it's been cut in half is the scene where Gil Colson comes out of the club and he's trying to get Catwoman to come with him in his car. And we see the Riddler is in his car. We can hear him breathing. Yeah. And she's like, she's, she's like, she's like sensing something and she's like, Oh, I gotta go. That part right there was fantastic and creepy. The scene should have ended right there. We all know what's about to happen to Gil Colson. We don't need to see him walking to his car getting bludgeoned by the Riddler, getting duct taped. We've already seen that happen with the mayor. It was a real, that uh, could have been cut. It was, a real was 19, cut. it was a real 1950s edit. It was like, it's, let's yes. see him do everything, up, even though the audience completely knows. Because we on. see what happens to him. <laughs> like, like, where's Gil Coulson? And then he's, you know, he's got a bomb attached to his face. Like, right. That, that, right when Catwoman's like, I'm good. And then she kind of looks to his car. He just cut right there. And it would have been super creepy. And we all get what's about to happen. There, there was, there was some editing long. problems in the movie for me. Like if I had to criticize some craft in the movie, it was mm-hmm. editing the the part when the when the Batmobile shows up for the first time. I thought the geographical edit edit of that scene was very confusing. Mm-hmm. Like you had Catwoman looking around the corner of a car, and then Robert Pattinson's body was there, and mm-hmm. it looked like she was right next to him. But oh yeah, wasn't. you're so it was, right. It was you're so it was, right. Ge- geographically speaking, it was badly uh, edited. Um, that I mean, it's it might be a weird nitpick but the, 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 i got the, what was going on by the end of it but i shouldn't have been confused what was happening the longer the film went on the more i felt it's kind of it didn't get all the way there but i kind of felt it starting to buckle under its own weight almost folding in on itself with all the stories trying to tell because he goes to falcone and he tells him his version of the story then he goes to right. alfred and then alfred tells him the version of the story and he goes back to Falcone, and it's like, all right, we get it. Like at that point of the movie, I was like, okay, can we wrap this up just a little bit, please? You really don't like, need the first one; you just need the two. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, I was expecting when he went to Falcone, I was expecting Bruce Wayne to just lose his shit and just like throw down in there because I like, wanted to see that. I, like, I really wanted to see him snap. I really wanted to see the line between Bruce Wayne and Batman blur just ever so slightly more. And that could have been a great way to do it, a great place to do it. 
I appreciate um, that he's not a ninja in this movie where, you know, exactly. in all the other movies, he's bataranging around. He's crashing right. through skylights or he just disappears. And this movie, it's three hours of, of Batman and Bruce Wayne knocking on doors going, is is the penguin here? Or, you know, so is, the, is, the, is Carmine Falcone here? <laughs> I loved it. He's just checking shit out. I love it. We got the rule of threes. We literally got the rule he's of threes. He's a flat man. First yeah. time he does it, he does it as Batman. Then he does his Bruce Wayne, and then he does it as like uh, uh, sneaky Bruce Wayne. Yes, and sneaky Bruce which is kind of it's kind of weird how it's sneaky? sort of out of order. Is that the scene, a in, the, the scene in the club was awesome too. When they go into the club within a club, and Catwoman is his eyes. That whole yeah. scene was, was fantastic too. There's some really cool. great scenes in this film. Absolutely. Also, that showed. I thought that scene specifically like showed how he didn't give a shit about any. Only his mission. Yes, yeah. Give a fuck about what she is doing. That's no. true. Exactly. She calls him on it later in the movie. She says like she calls him on it, but like that was a perfect example. Like he doesn't care about the missing friend. It's like you're Batman. You kind of should care about that too. Like, she's in some eyes wide shut danger her. there, and like <laughs> yeah, I don't know her. He's like he's like I don't care. You're about to get killed by all these people. You're gonna get made. Just tell me what's going on. I love that was that was a some good scene. Eyes wide shut. Danger. She's like I need to get out of here. She's like he's like I don't give a fuck. Just I, give me what I want. just yeah, just keep pushing that woman into danger. It's fine. <laughs> in all honesty, in all honesty, okay. the between that and also like I the the whole thing with the the renewal project like you know what you could have it could have been kept even like the whole thing about like gotham and like the lies beneath gotham which is like a very sort of batman comic trope thing that we've definitely seen in comics but frankly i didn't even need that element like i could have just simply been the riddler is killing people in gotham and james gordon which by the way i loved seeing the 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 camaraderie and just the 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 I mean he was really his sidekick. Uh, Gordon was really like Batman's sidekick or vice versa. And Jeffrey Wright, so it's my favorite, oh, so good. Oh, yeah. good. He's, he's my favorite Jim Gordon of any. He film. was great. He was just oh, phenomenal. What? He's like he he's like he's he's just like a he's a real dude. He's like he's like he yeah. says man man a lot, and I love that. He's like man, look, this shit is crazy right now. Like <laughs> we got to get a hold. I love that. He's not like he's he's like Batman. He's still new to this stuff. And he's you a good see cop. them, and you see them trying to solve uh, uh, solve yeah. mysteries. Uh, been tech, under, uh, he's been naturally underserved through all the live actions. In general, mm-hmm. I that's think not just, true. Uh, that's in, a, Nolan, in Nolan's no movies, he's stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, Gordon is like I prefer Jeffrey yeah. Wright to, yeah, but yeah, I do too. They both are good. I like, I also like that. Is okay. I'm not a Nolan my, fan, so two of my favorite movies, elements so. from Nolan's yeah. movies, like, and I and we've I, I professed how much I don't like them are Heath Ledger's, Heath Ledger's Joker Deserve and the Oscar. Um, yep. And friggin' uh, Gary Oldman is, as Commissioner yep. Gordon is great. Yep. They're, yeah, both great. They're both great. They're both great. I would pick Jeffrey Wright though if I had to. They're both. I good. like Jeffrey both Wright good. a lot, but I'm a stickler, and this is like one of our points of constant contention. I'm a purist, so I want the character that's on the page, and they have to look like that, or I have a fit. Like I love Man of Steel. I love Larry Fishburne. It was Larry Fishburne, right? Yes. I'm watching yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's Perry White, not Perry Black. Go fuck yourself. I do not like it. But that's how much I like this movie. It won me over. Because one, I like I like Jeffrey Wright a lot. Two, it didn't bother me. Nothing in this movie that deviated 
bothered me. And that goes to show you how much they did right. And yes, like Bob, some of the things, like, yes, the whole parachuting thing, all the little things. I wish there, like, I wish yeah. Mythbusters was still on just to do that. <laughs> oh my God. Just yeah. to have them explain just to show that. how much a person would die from that. <laughs> you die so much. So much. But, um, you know, I let those things go because this movie does so much right. What am I going to do? Complain about it does. Little things? <laughs> it, it, no, we're just nitpicking. It's, it's, it's all nitpicks. It's all like, nitpicks yeah. now. But, I, but yeah, I do love it. Seeing them, seeing them work together and seeing the detective work. Yeah. And again, we've seen a little bit of it. We see a little bit of it in Batman Forever. We get literally get it for one scene. And you know what? That one scene was like, wow, that's great. We even get to see him solve a mystery because that's what Batman does. Yeah. And here we just here they just pull on it like taffy. I mean, they really it's, like like what does sorry, the DC ahead. stand for? Detective Comics. Right. Yeah. And, and Batman uh, is always billed as the world's greatest detective. Right. And, and we really see, see that. that in action. We see how what's so interesting to watch the relationship with the cops. The cops are so antagonistic towards him. And yet at the same time, he keeps figuring shit out. And so they they tolerate him because Jim Gordon and because he's figuring shit out. And they like they see why he's there and how he's like looking around. It's just even the way he's looking at everything. And we know he's recording with his eyeballs or whatever. But yeah. it's just like just even his the expression on his face, the how subtly, you know, um, you know, uh, how he subtly observes everything. It's just great. It's it was really, really, really well done. And I would love to see it for I'd love to see more of that. But again, yeah. to go back to the whole idea of like, I literally didn't need anything more. You could have kept it so simple of in that the the Riddler give the, the Riddler having a motive that's not related to some sort of, you know, um, political intrigue or, you know, uh, corrupt systems. And it's just, there's a re some, some more pedestrian or personal reason that the Riddler might be murdering, uh, or even just to get a rise out of the Batman. Cause you know, they kind of turn him, he's kind of like a Zodiac killer or whatever. Traditionally um, that's what he does, you know, try right. to get a rise out of Batman, try to get a rise out of Batman. And it could have like, just been that it could have just been that and nothing more. And I would have been I, happy. It feels like they almost wanted their cake and eat it too there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because they, he, they added the, his obsession with the bat, with the Batman. Right. On top it, of the renewal, uh, story arc too you know, you know like yeah. it kind of it kind of worked like in both ways a little bit maybe it weakened both sides of that but i think the reason why this works so much and see if you, i mean we touched on it a little bit before is just that it pulls from all these different comics it pulls from the video games it pulls from the animated series as far yeah. as the production design is concerned there's that big art decoy kind of look to some of the interiors and stuff it just, it's like the best mishmash of Batman that we've ever had. And that's why so much of it works. One of the things I want to see them, and they touched on this a little bit, a very little bit in the Nolan movies, is that a lot of these criminals only exist because Batman exists. Yeah. Right. You know, like, yeah. you know, like Joker's like, you complete me, basically. They didn't really delve into it that much, where if Batman didn't exist, a lot of these crazy villains probably would not they wouldn't have purpose. It's like a staple of DC comics almost too. You know, like they you know? would just wither away, you know, which goes back to the idea of that, what Batman does. And this is something I've never considered until this movie. What Batman does is actually really selfish in that. Yes. He's a hero. Yes. He's saving lives. Yes. He, yes. It's a, a crusade, 
against crime, a one man crusade against crime. But also the reality is, is that he is just as psychotic as the rest of them. And that the way that he it's not about changing things. It's just about a therapy session at night after night of taking out his anger and fury and aggression on those and having a, a, and renewing the the supply over and over and over again instead of you know doing what any rational you know person would do and finally just end the joker and end these guys uh, yeah. how yeah, many mur murders is he indirectly responsible for for just not right. killing the joker you know what I mean? exactly yeah. batman's villains are most or at least the, a lot of the main ones especially the riddler and joker and all and they're kind of a mirror image of him you know like batman can look at them and say there before the grace of god go i you know what i mean like he, right. Like, like he could have been them had he right. lost his mind in the wrong direction. They could have yeah, been right. him. He lost his mind. They that's went exactly right. Bob. Yeah, he, that's exactly it. He lost his mind in the opposite direction, the direction. of his villains. Yeah, that's what it is. That's yeah. totally yeah. what it is. And we see that you you see and and the thing is, in other iterations, there's enough Bruce Wayne to at least have like some semblance of like, Hey, this is, this guy's actually like a normal guy who dresses up like this. But in this movie, he is, he is borderline psychotic. He is borderline I, I like on the edge. The Riddler you know? realizes yeah, that in this movie, right? Like the Riddler realizes yes. that, that him and the Batman do share something. But I, what I love about the Riddler is him just straight up admitting like, yeah, I can't do it physically. Like right. he, he knows he's like, can't I just got a brain. Do it. A tough a brain. Yeah. A bunch of incels from the internet to do it for me. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, like he, he knows he straight up says, I played you. I got you to do the the heavy lifting for me. Right, right. Right. Um, yeah. guys, we are at one hour and twenty-three minutes. Let's take the last seven minutes. Let's wrap this up. Final thoughts, final things. Let's end at a nice round 90 minutes. Half um, of the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ha we talked about half of that. Although Nathan and I once did, we did Nightmare Alley back in December, and it was two and a half hours. It was it was the almost the same length as the movie itself. Just, <laughs> I mean, did, we did four hours on Jingle All the Way. I mean, come on, we did do four. Wow, jingle, wow. We did four yes. hours. Yeah. Well, to be Chris, fair, we half didn't talk about, about Jingle, jingle All the Way. Yeah. <laughs> We we determined we we're obsessed with share universes, so we yeah. linked we linked a bunch of universes together. We're we're gonna and... bust that record for Paul Bear's Super Show that we're all gonna come back. And oh do my god! Right? Hell yeah! Yes, yes. I'm all Damn, about. Now it. I gotta watch it. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch all... it. You know, I I gotta be honest. That has been the most rewarding thing. You know, getting assigned a movie like The Bully or whatever when I done when 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 I've done Nathan's big podcast. Bully. Yeah, it's yeah, Big Bully. What's what's great is it's like yeah, everybody wants to do Scream or fucking you know whatever the big movie is, and you're gonna get roughly you're gonna get some tread of the same sort of stuff. W watching Big Bully and rediscovering it, and then like coming up with like hot takes or like. Like, like, sort of like, uh, creatively interpreting this film. That's the most rewarding stuff. That's those are the best. That that's the best shit. That's to get, where, you know, 
like we're talking about the batman but like everyone on earth is talking about the batman no one's talking about big bully so like right anything (laughs) you have about big bully is a fresh take or 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 or, you know dunks dunston checks checks in in, right or uh or uh, theodore rex which is a 1996 movie yeah no i know it i know oh i've seen it you know what we should do we should do a show where we just watch and talk about shitty movies It's called the Real Ninety Six Podcast. Yeah, oh, it exists. It exists. <laughs> uh, it's so, really that's great. Where I actually, can, I, I actually mean, have a Theodore Rex episode myself. <laughs> like, oh my that movie's a trip, man. Um, let's let's. Guy. How about this? Let's go around. Can everybody just sort of plug plug their ish real quick as we wrap it up here? And I'm going to do the sponsored. I we have to do uh, RiotStickers.com sponsorship, and we'll we'll wrap it up. So everybody, go around. I want to thank everybody for coming on the show and i would love to have you all back for another movie when it makes sense like some big movie that's coming we'll, we'll, we'll come back and we'll do this again because this was so good I, I really enjoyed this um let's all go around real quick trying to trying to be mindful of time here uh and just plug your shit go ahead Bob? If you have shit to oh plug. i'm oh is it me yeah. uh yeah, I'm at Thundergrunt Bob on both Twitter and IG. My podcast is called Thundergrunt and Thundergrunt.com. Word bird. Nate, you got anything you want to plug? Nate Dog? Uh, no, so I'll just close out with my wish list for future movies in this storyline, <laughs> if that's okay. Yes, like go that. ahead. Go All right. Uh, number three, Cassandra Kane. Okay. Number two, The Court of Owls. And number one, and this is not negotiable, Tommy Elliott slash Hush. Oh, hush. I love it. Love it. Um, Chris? Um, you can find me at sinfulcelluloid.com, sinfulcelluloid on Instagram. Um, the new um, YouTube is Celluloid Sins, which we're building back up. So, oh, you did it. You you, yeah. you, you, rebo- you rebooted it. Awesome. Yeah, and I stuck that um, on the other YouTube, which is Danzig Verotic Entertainment. Um, which there should be some stuff that I'll be putting up soon because we got a tour coming up. Word. And that's about it. Awesome. Uh, Nate, Nathan. So we've got the Genre Blast Film Festival. We're playing action, horror, sci fi, fantasy, all kinds of crazy shit genre films. Uh, we play that cool. every, Labor, every Labor Day weekend at the Alamo Draft House, Winchester, Virginia. We're taking submissions for films and screenplays now on filmfreeway.com. Check Ooh. out Genre Blast Film Festival. I've got the podcast, The Real 96 Podcast, where we go through every single movie released in 1996, one by one by one. There's like 300 movies. We're like on number 40 or something like that now. <laughs> nice. So so we've we've had some doozies include like Dustin, Dustin Checks In, Biodome. Dude, me and you did Mr. Wrong. <laughs> We oh did. I did Ooh. 90 minutes on Mr. Wrong. I, I'm Unreal. about to drop. I'm about to drop Big Bully with Jeff. Um, yeah, I had some audio issues that I'm fixing. Um, but like, just any shitty movie, any good movie from '96, we we just pick it apart. And uh, you can catch me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Lugenhausen. That's L O O G E N H A U S E N. And I've got a novella coming out in May called Love Potion Six Six Six, which features. Features uh, zombies addicted to fuck dust. So, um, oh yeah, how, how can you not? That's a pitch right there. Just there so you, you know, I I still have nightmares about the Mister Wrong standee that I would see in the movie theaters. It freaked <laughs> oh my me Lord. out. Just so you know. Um, I very quickly <laughs> would like to plug RiotStickers.com. That the official sponsor of the Frumis channel, as you can see right here, they made this beautiful banner right here. You can get all 
of your uh, sticker needs from riotstickers.com. Sharpie Riot is the man. Um, we're doing a special promotion with them. Uh, instead of $59, you can get 50% off. It's $29.50 with the promo code from us. The, the link to that is, is uh, down in the description of this video. Um, I mean, you really can't go go wrong. Three inches by three inches. That's a lot of space for printing up your design. And here is a quick 60-second video from the guy from Less Than Jake. We make stickers, banners, and buttons too. Posters and promo cards. There's nothing we can't print for you from stage All right, and that brings our show to a close. Thank you so much. I want to thank everybody. I'm going to boot you all out because I'm going to do my Patreon thing real quick. I'll see you all next time. We'll talk, guys. You all rule. This was so great. Thank Peace. you for having Pleasure thank you to be for, here. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you very Peace much. And hair grease. Peace and hair grease. Do you guys know about the Patreon? Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk, and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces 
Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.